Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Uh, Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. Mark 11. I was going to teach on something else, was kind of going in a different direction, and last night... The Holy Ghost changed the direction and the message. Mark 11, can we look at verse 22 and 23 this morning? Amen. And Jesus answering, verse 22, saith unto them, have faith in God. Well, why did he tell them to have faith in God? Because he just demonstrated what that faith can do. If we go back in verse 12, on the morrow when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. He, uh, and seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for the time of figs was not yet. That tree was supposed to have produced something. That tree was supposed to have given him what he was looking for. That tree displayed on the outside what it should have had in the season that it should have been in. Uh, And because the tree had displayed uh, falsely and was not telling We could say this, the tree was not telling the truth of what it should have been doing, right? It was not telling. There was some facts that there was no fruit, but the truth was that tree should have had some fruit. How many of you have been in that situation? There was some facts, but the truth of the matter is, according to the word of God, some things should be different. Amen? So Jesus is going to teach them how to take the facts of the situation and implement the truth of God's word. He said here, and Jesus answered, said unto them, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his young disciples heard it and they came to Jerusalem and Jesus went to the temple and he began to cast them out that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. Uh, And we'll skip down as they're leaving the city, this is when they pass by the next morning. They see the fig tree dried up from the roots, and Peter calling to remembrance, saying unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. We are empowered to move mountains. We are empowered to move mountains. Our hearing of the word is to enable us to live by faith in spite of what we see. You are empowered to move mountains. This is a mindset, you understand. This is a way of life. 
that we live mindful that I have been empowered through the word of God, the life of God, the resurrection power of God, I have been empowered to move mountains. Um, that means that we are done with seeing ourselves in relation to the mountain. We're done looking at ourselves in comparison to the mountain. Why do people go to the mountains? Because they are so grand in comparison to how small we are, right? That's what makes them so majestic. That's what makes them so wonderful. That's what makes them so, uh, so awe. You're just in awe of what God has created in this magnificent piece of land because we seem so small next to something so great. And oftentimes we look at natural mountains and we're reminded of how great and how wonderful and how mighty and how powerful God is and the beauty uh, that he has created for us to enjoy. But that's why Jesus, the very reason why Jesus compares our tests, the things that we face, the things that we come against, he compared them to mountains because that is what the devil would love us to do is stand in awe and go, oh my goodness, look how small I am. Look at what I don't know. Look at where I came from. Look at how little my faith is in comparison to something that seems to loom so large. This is why Jesus understood that he's going to call it exactly what the devil is going to try to make it. Is your situation a mountain? No, but the devil's going to make it that. He's going to make it seem in all of its greatness, in all of its, its uh, control and uh, ruling over your life and looming how it looms. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's symptoms. Maybe it's a family situation. Maybe it's a, a business. Maybe it's an assignment that God has put on you. And it just seems so large and so grand and so great. <laughs> that you just go, oh wow, how will I ever? How will this ever? When will this ever? You are empowered to move mountains. Because we know that this translates have the faith of God. Have the faith. Jesus would never tell you to do something that he has not empowered you to do. Have the faith of God. Have faith in God. You're equipped to even have faith of God, have faith in God. Uh, speak the faith of God. God's not asking you to speak your faith. He's asking you to speak his faith. This is why it talks about having childlike faith. My children have enough faith to repeat everything I say. Did you know that? You know, I'll tell Nanny Kate, go tell the boys to get a shower. You know, because usually she's kind of hanging out with me after. Go tell the boys to get a shower. And you'll hear her walking down the hall. Boys! This is what she does every time. Boys! Mommy said get a shower. Well, she had enough faith to repeat what I say and know that results are going to get done because I said so. They're not going based off what she said. They're going to move their little behinds based off what I said through her voice. You have been empowered to do the same thing as a child of God, to speak his words 
and know that every opposition, every devil, every demon, everything opposing you must bow down, not because, just because you said it, but because he said it. This is what Jesus was telling them, have the faith of God. He was telling them, you can talk to the mountain just like I talk to the tree. Now, that's really not my sermon. It's not what the Holy Ghost said. But we're going we're gonna to go through this to get there. Our new nature is a believing nature. Your nature, no matter what your personality is, no matter wh- whether you're, you're introverted, extroverted, you, you know, whatever, you like Mexican food, you like sushi, you like pasta, you, you know, you enjoy getting up early, you enjoy going to bed late, uh, you enjoy reading, you don't enjoy reading, you enjoy singing, you aren't good at singing, because people who aren't good still enjoy singing. You know, you like classical music, you like whatever. I don't care, whatever, whoever, uh, whatever personality, whatever makeup you have, your new nature, regardless, is a believing nature. You were made to believe. Say, I am a believer. I am a believer. If you can go into any situation knowing I am a believer, it doesn't matter what measure of faith you have at that moment, if you'll go in with the mindset, I am a believer. I am a believer. I am a believer. I'm a believer. Sometimes that's as far as you'll get. You know, I've been in those situations where I didn't even have the answer. But all I knew to say, no, I'm not a doubter. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. My nature is a believing nature. When I got born again, I came in believing and I will live believing. I'll walk believing. I'll talk believing. You can even stir yourself up in faith just as a believing person. You know, you don't know the answer. You don't have the answer. You, you don't have clarity on a situation. You don't know which direction to go. Start with, I am a believer. I believe the word of God. I believe. This is what pastor preaches. I believe in the power of God. It's direction. It's believing in the direction that he has created us. Amen. Our new nature is a believing nature. The new man came with the empowerment to believe. No matter how overwhelmed you are, no matter how much doubt tries to rise up, no matter how many questions you have, understand this. The new man came with the empowerment to believe. Even in the midst of struggling with doubt, you can say, I have been created a believer. Say, I have been created a believer. I have been created a believer. Amen. That so, seems so simple. But how often do we just even stir ourselves up and I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Today, you get up. His mercies are new this morning. 
His grace is sufficient for me. His plan is my delight. And I am a believer. I am a believer. I am a believer. That's the one thing the devil hopes that you don't get revelation of. He wants you to stay in the mindset of the old man, that I'm trying to believe, that I'm trying to get things done, that I'm trying all, when you're not born again, when you don't have this nature that's empowered to believe on every word that God says, it's very difficult to stay in a place of faith because you're trying to do it in man's ability. God's not asking you to believe in your ability. He's asking you to believe in his ability, his nature. And really, that's what we're learning in this book, if you have this book. Um, it's God's ability, God's faith, God's words that are going to get me to the other side. The devil wants you to put pressure on yourself to get you through, and it's your faith, and it's you, your words, and it, no, it's not. It's his. It's his. It's his. <clears throat> Jesus had to go to the cross and believe that somebody would believe in what he did. He had to believe. He had to go to Calvary in faith. He, not only, he didn't just go in obedience. He went in faith. And this is something that you can face, whatever it is, because it sure ain't the cross. You can go and face any situation, any mountain, knowing I am a believer. Jesus went to the cross believing that somebody, I'm laying my life down because somebody's going to call on it. Somebody's going to believe. Somebody's going to be delivered. Someone is going to get reconciled back to the Father. He didn't know who, but he believed. So even Jesus faced his assignment and the plan as a believer. Amen? Look at, um, look at Romans chapter, go to Romans chapter 6, because I just want us to look at, in case you're wondering, Verse two, uh, verse one, I'm gonna read out the Amplified. What shall we say to all of this? Are we to remain in sin in order that God's grace, favor, and mercy may multiply and overflow? Certainly not. How can we who have died to sin live in it any longer? Are you ignorant of the fact that all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by the baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, so we too might habitually live and behave in newness of life. For if we have become one with him by sharing a death like his, we shall, be, we shall also be one with him in sharing his resurrection by a new life lived for God. We know that our old, unrenewed self was nailed to the cross. 
with him in order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective and inactive for evil, that we may no longer be slaves of sin. So it says here in verse 4, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, so too might uh, we might to habitually live and behave in the newness of life. I love how the Weymouth translation says, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the Father's glorious power, we also should live an entirely new life. We shall live an entirely new life. You are empowered to live an entirely new life. New life. What is the foundation of that new life? I believe. I believe. You reached out to Christ because you believe. You heard the word and you believe. I believe. You're empowered to believe. So what are you facing this morning? What are you facing today? What answers do you need? Start with, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Stir yourself up. I'm a believer. I have an entirely new life. I'm no longer an unbeliever. I'm a believer. When I got born again, when I got raised up with him, he made me a believer. He created in me a believing heart. That's that new nature. The new nature can be defined as I'm a believer. I believe every word he says. I believe every word uh, that he tells me. I believe everything that the scriptures say. I believe. Well, what is the opposite then to believing? It's doubt. That's what we say, doubt and unbelief. Well, Jesus wouldn't have given us this passage of Mark 11, let's go back over there because he points out, say, well, I'm a believer, then why do believers or ourselves, why do we struggle? He says here that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, verse 23, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not, what? Doubt. Doubt. In his heart, but shall believe that those things which which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. There's one thing he tells us not to do, and that's doubt. Um. Well, let me back up. You're not an unbeliever trying to believe. You are a believer. It doesn't matter how big, how new, how large, how much, how severe. You are not an unbeliever trying to get in belief. You're a believer. You're a believer that's endeavoring to walk in what God said in the victory he's already given you. Don't approach situations, I'm in unbelief, trying to believe. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Um, with this passage, when he says, do not doubt in his heart, that's what I kind of want to look at this morning. John, go with me real quick. Go to John 20. 
and I'm not in a hurry. We, we probably will go this direction next week because I want to make sure we get this understanding so rooted, not just in our heart, but in our thinking. I told the boys yesterday, I said, what you see, you know, we were, they were watching a football game and this, I mean, they put on commercials for stuff and I'm like, really? You know, this is a family show. And I said, you know, shut your eyes. That's ugly. You don't need to see that. And I said to the boys, I said, what goes in your eyes goes into your mind. And what's in your mind can hurt your spirit. So we protect our eyes. We protect what we see. Amen? But what happens in situations, that was something they could help, but what happens when there's something that you have to see, right? That has the potential to put doubt in your heart. How many of you been there? Raise your hand. What you saw put doubt in your heart. <laughs> what you saw, you were a believer, and then you opened up that bill. <laughs> you were a believer, and then you got that report, right? You were a believing, you were a shouting, you were rejoicing on Sunday, and then Monday came around. And the uh, email showed up of what you cannot have and what you cannot do. Have we been there? Yes. And you saw the mountain. What is that? That's the mountain. You saw it. With your own eyes, you saw it. What happens when you see it? You know, it's even different than hearing it, right? It's different than just somebody saying something might happen or, you know, you say, well, I know, you know, the bills might be kind of high or I know that we're reaching for this and we're stretching for this and somebody says something, but it's different when you lay your eyes on it and you see things don't match up and you see the report and you see uh, the, the emails and uh, the opposition with your own eyes. This is what Jesus faced when he saw that fig tree. He saw the deficit. You ever seen a deficit? Young people are like, no. <laughs> you ever seen a deficit? You ever seen where you're believing, uh, where you want to be and where you're at? You ever seen that? You ever had that wake up with you in the morning, go to bed with you at night, and you see the numbers and you see what they've said about your situation? <laughs> You've seen what they've projected as the outcome. Yeah? Well, this is what Jesus was saying when he said, this is the mountain that you face, and the devil's going to take what you see, what you saw, loom so large as if it was to never be removed, as if it could never get out of the way, as if you could never handle it. Because after all, you are right now in unbelief, and you're going to have to try to believe, and you may not get there. You may not have enough faith. What's our first response? I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. You don't have to answer, I, I, need, I need some scripture. I've got to answer with the word of God because I know I've got to answer. Pastor Nancy says, you've got to answer specifically with the word of God. And then you've got to praise it. Listen, just stop before you even work yourself up and do trying to be in a faith frenzy. There, joy and peace in believing. The first thing you can answer though is, I'm a believer. 
I've been created a believer. I've been made the new man. I'm a new man in Christ. He came to this earth believing. I live on this earth in his stead, believing. He's in me, I'm in him, and we're believing together. I don't know if anybody's gonna believe you. If Jesus is our great high priest, he's, he's making intercession. He's going to agree with you. He's going to believe with you. I don't care if anyone believes in what you're deciding you're gonna believe, he believes. He believes, amen? So we see in John 20, Verse 21, then Jesus said to them, peace to you, just as the Father has sent me forth, so I am sending you. And having said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now having received the Holy Spirit and being led and directed by him, if you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of anyone, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples kept telling them, we have seen the Lord. And he said to them, unless I see in his hands the marks made by the nails and put my fingers into the nail prints and put my hand into his side, I will never believe it. In this situation, what Thomas had seen, notice Thomas goes back to, let me start here. Thomas went back to what he had seen of Jesus, didn't he? He didn't say, oh, I don't believe he's resurrected. He didn't say, oh, I don't believe he's the son of God. He didn't say, oh, I don't believe he can do miracles. He went back to what he had seen happen. He couldn't get past what he had seen. You see that? Thomas could not get past the crucifixion. What had that done? It had made such a mark on him. Watching Jesus hang, he saw the nails go in. He saw uh, the, the, the sword go in his side. He saw the dark cloud. He saw him die. He saw, you know, this was all things that Thomas was basically saying. Until I see him standing in front of me, what I saw happen to him is too great. It's too great. This is what the enemy wants all of us to do, is what we see is too great. What you've seen is too much. What you've seen is too, you, he wants you, even if you're not going to press past it, he'd like for you to at least settle. He's going, he wants you to settle. What Thomas did was settle. It's not that he didn't believe Jesus was the son of God. He just got to where he would settle for seeing him in person in order to believe because what he had seen of him on the cross was too great for him to get past. There may be situations, and there have for all of us been things that we have seen in front of us. Maybe it's someone you know, that you're believing for, and they've stood in front of you, and they have said out of their mouth that they're choosing not to believe that they're choosing to do their own thing. Maybe it's, you know, for us, when, when we were believing for our home, it was one thing to have someone call us on the phone and give us report. It was another thing, you know, when you had to see the numbers, when you had to see the amounts, when you had to see uh, the denials, the rejections, the no's. 
And this is what Thomas faced, and this is what all of us will end up facing, is something in life, a mountain, that what we see is going to loom so large that it's going to try to put doubt in your heart. Notice what it's going to try to put doubt. Why? Because I'm a believer. I'm a believer. What goes in our eyes goes to our minds and our thought life. And what's in our thought life affects our spirit. Well, pastor, I have to see things. I have to see that report. I have to handle those things. I have to handle those numbers. I have to handle what the doctor gave me. And so what Jesus is saying is there's a solution when you have to see, right? How many of you been where you have to see? You have to look. Now there's things in life because we've been delivered from sin, you don't have to look at anymore. You don't have to address anymore. You know, you, your eyes, it's, it's up to you whether or not you put yourself in situations where you have to see those things. You know, I'm reminded of the testimony that Pastor Johnny would tell about himself when he would say, you know, he was an alcoholic and he said after he got born again and became a believer, he could be driving down the road and see a sign, see a sign for um, some sort of alcohol or whatever that he used to have, and he could what? He could taste it. He said all the flavor would come into his mouth as if he was drinking it. What happened when he saw it, the doubt that he was delivered, what does that taste? It's doubt. It's doubt that he had been delivered. The devil's wanting him through his eyes, through seeing that alcohol, he wanted him to doubt that he was delivered. Amen? And there's a spirit that accompanies doubt, talks to you, trying to deposit, and he'll affect things. You know, there's a victory plan already laid out for you. So what the devil, all he can do is if you're in faith and you're believing his word and walking and staying uh, full of his word and in his plan and you're walking, he can affect things along that path to see if you will believe and receive the doubt based on the effects of the situation. Notice he said, does not doubt in his heart. Why? Because you've been made a believer. You have to take doubt in. You have to take it in. We can come to a place where we're so full of the word of God that in order to doubt, you have to take it in. You have to receive, you have to, I'm, I, 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 I wanna be to the place where I have to consciously receive doubt. You can be that place. Why? Because we have been created as believers. So when Pastor Johnny would see that sign in that billboard and he would look, he would have that taste, that, that alcoholic spirit would bring that taste in his mouth to try to get him to doubt that he was delivered and to go act on what he felt. What you see is to initiate is going to initiate and wants to initiate feeling, and feeling begets action. We don't always act on what we see. It's what we see that stirs up a feeling. It stirs up an emotion. It stirs up a desire. And out of those feelings come responses. No one ever um, 
Well, there, you know, when my husband and I, when we were talking, when, we're, when we were dating, I guess you could say, and we were talking on the phone, what happened as we're talking and then as we began to come visit one another, there came a feeling from seeing one another, talking with one another, hearing one another, those feelings led to an action of getting married, right? Making a commitment. The devil is wanting to influence things around you, influence what you see, what you hear, so that you'll have a feeling of panic, of worry, of struggle, of fear, so that it'll lead to an action that's outside of faith. But if we go back to, I'm a believer, I'm a believer, and I'm not letting doubt in no matter what I see, no matter what it tries to make me feel, no matter what I hear, The devil brings doubt through the five senses. But God brings faith the same way. So I want to look at that this morning. Mountains are large, set, immovable landmasses that project themselves conspicuously above its surroundings. Have you ever faced a situation that was large, immovable, projected itself above all around its surroundings. And Jesus is saying in Mark 11, have the faith of God. Speak to the mountain and don't doubt. Let the faith come out before the doubt gets in. Amen? Um, Doubt comes through first through what we see. Go to Romans chapter 4. It's just a, a... Real, he just gave me a real simple last night teaching on faith. I'm grateful because these are the foundational truths that lead us into the fullness of his plan. Romans chapter 4, verse 19. This is about Abraham. He did not weaken in faith. Notice this the faith was in there. So faith can be made weak. How is faith made weak? Through what you see, taking in doubt, letting what you see go into your thought life, turning it over and letting your thought life affect your spirit, man. Doesn't, notice he said, does not doubt in his heart. Does not doubt in his heart. Where is believing come from? The heart. When you have doubt, in your thought life, and thoughts come to get you to doubt who you are, what you have, and what you can do in Christ. When thoughts come to get you to doubt, don't let them get in your heart. How do you do that? Answer those thoughts. There will be things that you have to see. You cannot ignore. Faith is not ignoring and not looking. Jesus didn't say, turn away from the mountain. Walk away as if it was never there. Right? He said, speak to it. You can't speak to something if you're not looking at it. I want my words. You know, there were times when, you know, there was, to say there wasn't enough money is an understatement. And I would take the bills, and I didn't, I didn't want to open them. You, you, you don't even want to open them. <laughs> 
And you go, well, I know what they're going to say. And I don't want to look at my bank account. And I don't, that's not the answer. That's not the answer. Not looking is not faith. That's not faith. To not look is not faith. Or, you know, is people think that's faith. I'm just going to pretend like it's not there. I got faith. That is not faith. <laughs> Jesus never denied anything. He always answered and addressed what he faced. Whether it was a need, the 5,000, what did he do? He said, bring me the loaves and the fish that are not enough. And then he said his, what did he do? He looked. He looked. He stopped looking at the people. He stopped looking at what would have been the mountain. And he looked and presented it unto God. The answer for doubt that tries to get in your heart is where are you looking? Where are you looking? Where are you looking? And how much are you looking there? I wouldn't want to look at those bills. I didn't want to look at my bank account. I didn't want to look at any of them. You know, I would have loved to just come and given everything to Francine and said, figure it out. <laughs> you know, I'm not old enough for this. <laughs> That's sometimes what I'd think to myself. I'm not old enough for this. <laughs> this is for grown people. <laughs> But faith is, to have faith is to look and to be unmoved. To look at the large mass that seems immovable, that looms in front of you, and to be able to answer as the believer that God has created you to be. That is faith. So what happened? Every time I'd open that bill, you go, ooh. Why? Because your eyes see what your eyes see, the mind has to process, and either it's got two ways to go, to doubt or to faith. And if my mind takes the, oh my gosh, here comes doubt down into my spirit, but if my mind can see it through the word of God, then I'm able to answer it up from my spirit. This is the competing for a believer. This is the constant um, competition within a man. Doubt trying to come in and faith trying to come out. And you see that. Doubt, based off what you see, trying to come in your heart. And faith on the inside trying to come out. And when you put your eyes on something, when you see something, when you hear something, this is going to be the fight of faith that every one of us has to face. That's simply what the fight of faith is not getting up and yelling and screaming at the devil. You know what I mean? It's not running around your house like a crazy person. It's why, why do we praise and rejoice? Is because we're stirring up the joy and the faith that's on the inside to come out because doubt with what we see is trying to get in. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Um, look at Romans Let's go back here, Romans chapter four. Abraham, verse 
17, as it is written, I have made thee a father many nations before whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. The Amplified says, for Abraham, human reason for hope being gone, hoped in faith that he should become the father of many nations as he had been promised. So numberless shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead because he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's deadened womb. Every day when he got up, and if they had a mirror, he had to look at every wrinkle. You know what I'm saying? He had to look at the age on his face, the age on his wife, because what did that age represent? Death in the body, decay in the body. Every day he had to see his opposition. What was his opposition? The devil won his opposition. It was just his natural body, his natural body. You're, uh, sometimes the, for us, you know, the devil wasn't always our opposition. It was just, where God had asked us to be and what we had coming in and we had to address. No devil was out to get us. It was just, do we have the faith to speak to the mountain that says we don't have enough every month and remove it? Devil's not after me. You know, if you're always thinking the devil's after you, then you always put it off on him to get out of your way. Sometimes the devil doesn't need to get out of your way. God is asking you to get some things out of your way. The devil didn't make them age. That happened on its own. <laughs> and every day they had to wake up and see what was on the outside represented what was going on on the inside in her body. So what did he do? He had to learn. It says here, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. That means he stopped, he saw it in the natural, his own body, but he stopped looking at it with his heart. You can do that. Faith in your heart will keep you from looking at what the natural says is not yours. And you can't do, and you can't accomplish. It says, he was fully persuaded, verse 21, what he had been promised, he was able, what he had promised, he was able to perform. He was strong in faith. Verse 20, strong in faith. Here it is, giving glory to God. That sounds a lot like Jesus taking those loaves and fish when the mountain of people is waiting to be fed. What did he do? He turned and he gave thanks. What did Abraham do? He was strong in faith, just giving glory. You can't give glory to God if you're not looking at him. You can't give glory to God if you don't know him. You can't give glory to God if you, do, if you don't know what he said about you. Say this with me, I'm a believer. So we have to know what we believe. We have to know what we believe. Abraham could see the age on the body. Joshua, go to Joshua chapter one. Joshua, what did he see? He had seen the giants. He had seen the giants, and God said to him, verse 8, Joshua 1, verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do all 
to do according to all that is written it, then you shall make your way prosperous and you shall deal wisely and have good success. Meditate. You got it. You can't meditate on something unless you see it. Right? Unless you see it, you put your eyes, not just your natural eyes, but your spiritual eyes. This is why we pray the Ephesians prayer. That the eyes of our understanding are being enlightened. Why? Because I need my spiritual eyes stronger than my natural eyes. I need my spiritual eyes dictating the direction of my life, not my natural eyes. I need my spiritual eyes answering every situation. I need my spiritual eyes facing those symptoms. I need my spiritual eyes facing that family need. I need my spiritual eyes to show up every day to work. I need my spiritual eyes to be the eyes that I see my future with. So I've got to take care of my spiritual eyes more than I'm catering to my natural eyes. Amen? So Joshua had seen the giants, and God's answer for him was, Bill, oh, get, let's get out. Um, I want you to collect everybody's metal. We're going to have to get some new equipment together. We need new swords. We need new spears. You need new, um, uh, uh, you know, Stuff you put on your body, protection, you need new helmets. What would have that? The eyes would have said, I seen the giants. Now let me put myself on that's gonna let me put my eyes on something that's gonna make me feel better. Let's get some new let's get some new fighting gear together, guys. It kind of took a beating going through that, you know, the Red Sea and, and trying to get out of there. No, there was no natural solution for something that was gonna have to be answered from his inward man from the faith in his heart. God, if you're always looking to answer everything from the natural, God doesn't respond in the natural. He's not a natural God, he's a supernatural God. That the eyes of your spirit would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance and the saints and the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. All of this is coming through the supernatural flow of God. Go with me real quick to, so you can see this, Colossians, one of my favorite passages, Colossians chapter one. I pray this every day for my family. For this reason, Colossians one, verse nine, I have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you, asking that you may be filled with the full, deep and clear knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and comprehensive insight. What is that insight? That insight is so that your heart can get a hold of and renew your mind with the truth of God's word, comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God and an understanding discernment of spiritual things that you may walk and live and conduct yourself in a manner worthy of God, fully pleasing to him and desiring to please him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work and steadily growing and increasing in and by the knowledge of God. Look at this with a fuller, deeper, and clearer insight, acquaintance, and recognition. When his word, his plan, his victory is clear before you, it makes that mountain look the way God sees it. Amen. That's not a mountain for him. It's a mountain in this natural realm, but he's a supernatural being. When I get his insight, I transform and do that supernatural man that I've been created to be. I'm giving my supernatural man on the inside all the tools. See, that's what Joshua 
the natural person would have said, let's get together those natural tools. And God says, I'm going to equip you with supernatural tools. Supernatural weapons are the weapons of our warfare. And that's what comes out of the word of God. You can't face and be successful in having the faith of God and removing mountains is if you face everything based off of what you see in the natural. I'm reminded of the testimony of, I, I listen to this pretty regularly, where R.W. Schambach, he tells the story of the church. He, he was meeting with the church and had a great work going on in New York City. And kind of, a, a, he would set up a tent and a work came out of it, a church came out of that. And they were meeting in this, um, it was like a Jewish women's club and they would meet there every week. And one day he walks out and they had put a for sale sign on this property. And he walked out and sees that for sale sign. And because the faith in his heart, as a man of God, what he knew of the word of God, what he had seen of God through his spiritual eyes, it rose up on the inside before doubt could come down. Oh, you're losing your building. Oh, where are you gonna go now? What are you gonna do now? You don't have any money. The faith on the inside rose up and he answered that mountain by walking himself down to that real estate office. What did he do? Before something could get in, he took something and he put it out. He put it out there. And what, put, what, what faith coming out looked like was him walking himself down. And he said, what are you doing? He took that sign out. And it reminded me of doctor cutting down the weeds. He said he took that for sale sign, went and laid it on the, the desk of the, probably the receptionist or whoever there at the real estate office. He said, what are you doing laying this sign? That's my building. And they said, well, uh, sir, you know, they, they're going to sell it and they've already, you know, do you have money to buy it? And he said, well, uh, that's my building. Well, you know, I can call the owners, but I'm telling you, they've already turned out an offer for 250000 That's the money. Do you have anything? He said, I don't have anything. He had no money. He walked down there with faith in his heart to remove a mountain. Why? Because he knew, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. And a believer has been on this land. A believer has walked around this property. And he said what had happened before was he had gotten out of his car with some preachers when they had found this property, walked around this property as Joshua did the walls of Jericho and called out with the faith in his heart, called out, this is our property. This is for the kingdom of God. So then when it came time, when his eyes saw something, there was faith already had been active in his heart. What had happened? The faith that was on the inside rose up. So that sign wasn't going to put any doubt in his heart. Whoever says to the mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart. What you see is going to try to put doubt in your heart. But if what you do before you see it fills up your heart with faith, the faith of God, you'll have a flow that comes out so aggressive, just like R.W. Shambach. You'll take that sign out and you'll go and lay it on somebody's table and say, what are you doing? And they said, well, they've already turned, what, what, what can you bring? He said, well, he said, you get that realtor on the phone. He said, he called in and it actually, they were in a board meeting and it went straight to the board meeting of the owners of that building. 
And he said, oh, he said, I heard him go, oh, 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 I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to. He said it had passed the switchboard, supernaturally. Go straight to the board meeting. And they said, uh, well, who's asking to buy it? Well, I've got this preacher here, and, and they've been meeting in this building every week, you know. And he said, uh, tell them I want to buy it. That's my building. And he said, they want to buy it, but he says he doesn't have anything. And he turned to me, he said, they said they'd sell it to you. They've already turned down an offer for 250000 and you don't have anything. And he said, well, do you have anything to give? And he said, notice this. He said a number came up in his heart. That's the key. The faith in your heart will give you the direction from your heart. God's direction flows from your heart, not from your head. If you're used to going by, based off what you see, you'll get direction based off what you see. So he had faith in his heart. He made an act of faith from his heart, and then God gave him the answer in his heart. And he said that answer rose up on the inside. Why? Because he's refused to let doubt get in. Refuse to let doubt in your heart, and answers will flow so much easier, so much quicker. It won't be a struggle. So up from his heart floats, tell him you give him 75,000. He said, I'll have 75,000 to you. I believe it was by Monday. Was, it was some short timeline, and they took the offer. And every step of the way that they needed money, God brought all the money to the point where there was one time they needed 10, the last $10,000 for an amount. Actually, I think he had broken down that 75000 and brought it in, and the last 10000 of that money, uh, the amount that they need to fully purchase the building, uh, he had had the money every week by a certain day, uh, $10,000 would come in. And he'd bring it in. And by the last $10,000, it's about two hours before he's got to be there. And he doesn't have the money. You know, the money's not in his hand. And he said he sat down at the church building, just waiting, you know, for that money because it wasn't in the account. And he's waiting. And he knows God has brought the money this whole time. He doesn't see anybody. He hasn't heard anybody. And he said, I'm just waiting down there. And he said, about 10 minutes before the money's due at noon and we were going to lose the whole deal. He said, I see this little old lady walking down the street. And he walks out. He said, give me my money. And she said, Brother Shambach. He said, I said, give me my money. I know you brought it. So you said, that's so rude. No, that's faith. He knew the woman. He knew the woman. And she brought out an envelope with $10,000. And he said, I don't have time, sister. I'm going to the bank. Why? Because one sign could have derailed the entire plan. Your eyes on one thing can derail the entire plan. So God's answer for the children of Israel was, Meditate. Get your eyes. You don't need to see anything in the natural to make you feel better. You need to see my word. This is the answer for doubt in your heart is your eyes on God's word. You can't receive insight and revelation if you're not in the book that reveals it. This is the book of revelation. This is the book of great insight. You want insight into the plan of God for your life? You want insight into prosperity? You want insight into divine healing? Get your eyes on God's word. And this is for the kids because they're going to be, it's Christmas. And they're going to be leaving next week to go to do choir. God gave me this illustration even for the kids and for all of us adults as well. Um, You know, at night, 
when uh, they tell you that if you, like a TV or your um, phone, it, it, it emits blue, blue light and it affects your sleep, you know, and so they, I mean, I don't know, they got these blue light glasses that you can wear. I don't know if it's a, a gimmick or, I mean, I, I'm sure there's some truth or a trend and, you know, all the young people, they get their blue light and they say it's supposed to help you sleep better because it doesn't mess up, you know, your, your rhythm. Well, you know, what do people want to do? They, they, they still want to look at their stuff. They still want to look at their TV. They still want to look at their device. You know, they say even supposedly lamps and stuff emit this, you know, blue light that'll mess up your sleep patterns. And so they've come up with these glasses that people wear at night when the sun goes down to block out these blue rays or these blue, you know, this blue light. Well, you can't just, when it's time to turn on the lights at night, go, I can't look at that. I got to go to bed. Nobody does that. Nobody, well, I mean, some people might go to bed when the sun goes down. I know Rochelle does. Um, And my husband likes it dark. But we don't go to bed, right? We don't quit things just because, you know, we've got to turn on the lights and we can't mess up our sleep patterns. We have to go to bed. What do we do? We turn on the lights. We still got the TV going. You're still doing emails on your phone. You're still doing business. You're still doing stuff. And so they, the solution is, because they know everybody's not going to turn their stuff off, they give you these blue light glasses to help prevent those from going in your eyes, right? Those, those blue rays to mess up your sleep and to mess up your health, whatever. I'm, there's, I'm sure there's a lot more to it than that. I just don't wear them myself. Um, so if you do, that's good. And so uh, I was, this morning I was getting ready and God said, you know, there's things that you have to see. There's things that you have to address and look at because facing the mountain is not about turning around and pretending it's not there. So you put on God's word, right? And as you are in his word every day, and you've got his words, what, in your eyes. Does it set your attention on things above? Set your eyes, giving glory to God. Jesus turned and set his attention on God. As you do that, and you've got, you can look at any opposition you can face any what can I do with these glasses on? I I look at any phone, any iPad, I can watch any TV. And supposedly I'm gonna sleep great because the blue light is not getting in, right? This is the same thing with God's word. When you are full and your eyes are continually on his word, you can look at sickness, you can look at disease, you can look at lack, you can look at a need, you can look at any situation, any obstacle, any mountain, and you can look at it. You don't have to turn away from it, pretend like it's not there. You can look at it and the doubt that comes with it won't get in. It's not going to get in. Believe in your heart, not doubt in your heart. What your eyes see will affect the way the mind thinks, and the way the mind thinks will affect the, the, uh, uh, hinder the effectiveness of the spirit man. So if my eyes are continually and regularly on God's word, feeding on God's word, keep them in the midst, what, of thine heart. 
for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Then that means whatever I see to try to steal health, guess what? You're not getting in. Doubt's not getting in. The word of God is the answer. Keeping your eyes on the word of God is the answer to Mark 11 and keeping doubt out. That's the one thing he told us. The action of speaking and believing. But he said the one hindrance is doubt. Then I want to become proficient and making sure doubt doesn't even get in my heart. You can live to where doubt never gets in your heart. And that is seeing the word of God continually when you wake up in the morning. Notice this, he talked about seeing a mountain. He didn't even talk about hearing a mountain. The number one way doubt gets in is through what you see. It's through what you see. Well, I don't know if I'm ever going to get married. I don't know if I'm ever going to get a spouse. Well, why do you say that? Is it because of what you see in the mirror? Is it because you see other people? Is it because what are you looking at that tells you that's never going to happen for you? You're seeing something. You're seeing something. Well, I'm never going to get healed. I'm never going to get past these symptoms. What are you looking at that's telling you you're not? Number one, I'm a believer. I'm not a doubter. Say, I'm a believer. And believers believe something. What do they believe? God's word. So I'm going to put the word of God always over my eyes, my spiritual eyes, so that when I have to see and face a need and face a situation, it's not getting in. Doubt, ha, 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 you are not getting in. You're going to try to get in my heart, but you can't have it. It blocks because there will be things we have to face in life. You can't ignore it and you can't pretend like it's not there. But with the right vision... You can see it the way, you know, with these, the word of God, this is meant for us to see things the way God sees things. That's what it's meant for. Amen. Well, I hope you're helped this morning. And uh, I want to see my life the way God sees my life. How about you? His view. You know, this is his view right here of you. Always through his word. He's always looking at you through his word. He's always seeing you through what his word says about you. You've got to learn to see yourself through what his word says about you. Amen. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.